Welcome to Cigar City Radio, episode number two. I'm your host, Randy Ojeda, and making the magic happen is Jason Solanez. That's me. Before we begin, we have two awesome new music releases to tell you about from within the Cigar City Management family. The first is an EP from the band The Fantastic Plastics called Invasion. It's out now on Altercation Records. The Fantastic Plastics are a sci-fi pop group from Brooklyn, New York. They describe themselves as the future of the future, and that's pretty much what they sound like. It's sort of like the future that never was. It's got a lot of synths, theremin, back-and-forth vocals, but also hard-hitting, you know, sort of punk rock guitar. It's really cool. Um, and all their lyrics are about, you know, sort of this dystopian future and taking over the world with computers. And the record was mixed and mastered by George Harris at Creative World Recording in Largo, Florida. Who knew that one of the best studios in the Bay Area would be in Largo, of all places? We also have a new release from Jackson Boone. Jackson is a singer-songwriter from Portland, Oregon. He put out a new collection of songs aptly titled Lo-Fi Home Recordings. It's an intimate collection mastered specifically for tape, and it's the first ever release for Portland's Rainbow Magnet Tapes. That's right, Jason. Cassettes are back. Did you know that? I, I know it now, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad to know it, actually. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, uh, I guess we were in Brooklyn when we first realized that, like, hey, cassettes are a thing, and everybody kept telling us this. Yeah, um, I, I was a true denier. <laughs> until we yeah. saw, like, cassettes were just sort of moving. Like, people are buying cassettes at shows and buying them in stores, and it's cool to see, you know, a lot of bands are making small runs of music, and I guess it gives fans this unique product that you can only really get direct from the band and you can get this cassette direct from jackson boone at jacksonboone.bandcamp.com so anyways couple releases invasion from the fantastic plastics and lo-fi home recordings from jackson boone they're both available on spotify apple music you know wherever else you listen to music so check those out our guest for episode two is ray roa ray is the music editor for creative loafing Creative Loafing is an alternative weekly magazine from Tampa, Florida. They cover music, food, culture, events. Ray puts out a lot of quality content, and it seems like he's at every show in Tampa. I don't know how he does it, but definitely has his finger on the pulse of what's going on. He puts out a weekly concert listing, so if you're ever looking for something to do on Friday or Saturday night in Tampa, check out Creative Loafing's weekly listings. There's a lot of great shows going on that fly under the radar, and they work to you know spotlight those. We talk with Ray about taking over as music editor for Creative Loafing. He tells us the saga of Max the Sax Guy. We talk about how our generation has impacted the local culture, what bands should do when submitting their music to publications, different styles of local music in Tampa and the local DIY scene. Ray is a really awesome guy who I have a lot of respect for, um, and we're hoping to have him on the podcast again soon. If you like this episode, please hit subscribe, share this podcast with your friends, we appreciate the great response to episode one. And as long as you keep listening, we'll keep making these. And we really, really want to keep making these. So without further ado, here's Cigar City Radio, episode number two.
everything is that brand, brand new music editor. Brand Trying new not music to get editor. fired music editor. Oh. So. And you took over for Leilani. Leilani, who I was yeah. contributing to for like five years. So, And she moved out to Seattle. Seattle, right? yep. Yeah, so. she's just getting settled in. She said the internet just turned on over there. All right. And, um, yeah, so, so are we going to, do you think we'll hear more uh, more music writing from her as well? Uh, that's the plan. I mean, I don't know, you know how much of Leilani you guys read, but she was totally plugged in and yeah. super active. So Yeah, and she was doing it for a long time, I think, right? I think she was at the paper for almost like over 10 years. Wow. But you've been in the scene for a while, though. I mean, you were writing for Creative Loafing before becoming the music editor. Yeah. Before that, at Suburban Apologist. Yep, at and, the same time, I was doing Suburban Apologist. And then were you TBT also? Like, yep. let's, let's, let's the hear TBT the bylines. TBT and the I Times know. came in after SubApp, and I started at SubApp um, through Joel Cook. Who okay. uh, was one of the guys that started Reacts years and years ago? I don't mm. know how long you guys have been in Tampa, but yeah, um, they started that. Reacts kind of went under, folded. The site disintegrated. It was like built on a wiki platform, right? And then Joel built SubApp on WordPress, and I wrote for free on that site for about six years, and turned into work here. I worked there, you know, yeah, and made a living. So that's interesting because with the way journalism works now, it seems like most people are freelancers and free being free, actually free, you know, and not getting paid for their work. So how did you turn it into actually making a living off of writing? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I started, I worked on newspaper in college and um, I started writing for SubApp kind of out of this thing because I was going out to shows all the time and I would get in arguments with my wife and I don't know if we were married then, but she's <laughs> like, uh, you got to figure something out, you know, you can't just keep going out. So I started going out, going to shows for free and then all of a sudden, yeah. That wasn't enough, so you start getting paid. And I think Jay Critter then reached out to me from the Times, and it just went into that. And I pitched Leilani on something. I think the first blog I wrote was something about Bob Marley's birthday and tribal style or, or something like that. And we'll have to dig that one up. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty old. Sometimes I read the old stuff. I'm like, man, you haven't like improved at all. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, and then folded in the GMF, and I was doing social media at Casparilla Music Festival, and ended up actually working across the street at uh, McKay Advertising doing uh, content stuff for them. So well, all out of this one website. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, I'm lucky, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's just great to see that there is quality, you know, music writing and quality journalism coming out of Tampa. It's not the market that you'd always expect would have a paper or publication as cool as, you know, Suburban Apologist or Creative Loafing, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it is cool. I've kind of gotten used to the idea that it is an alternative view you know they let me write about kind of weird stuff and can yeah. we cuss on this thing yeah okay i didn't know i was like <laughs> fuck okay right. yeah you can say whatever you want yeah. i find i'm talking a little slower because i don't want to spill over um, <laughs> yeah i mean they did let me write about max the sex guy who apparently was killed overnight but what? wasn't it was all on social media somebody got hitting the head outside of 7-eleven then somebody started this, something this on was here in media. tampa yeah right there uh on seven, so Max oh. Pierre, yeah, he, he plays the saxophone. You see him at the Lightning Games or uh, the Rays Games. Yeah, yeah. but wasn't that a hoax? Did it was a total hoax. Yeah. Yeah. Within like less than eighteen hours, he was confirmed alive again. But it was amazing because all these tributes poured out, and then Creative Loafing was like, "Yeah, go ahead, write the story." And I'm thinking yeah. like it's this super niche, you know, thing that only one hundred people are going to care about, you right. know. So. Um, it was pretty cool. Well, tell me about that because I don't know anything about this story. I must have missed so, this. I went to Colorado, I think it was like a month ago, and I get off the plane and my phone's like, boo, 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 like, and somebody had tagged me in this thread that said, hey, Ray might know. And I was like, I don't even know what's going on here. 
And, you know, within three hours of getting off the plane, I was driving into the mountains and then I was unplugged for a week. So I got back and, you know, the dust had kind of settled around it. But apparently, long story short, guy gets assaulted outside of 7-Eleven, is bleeding out. Somebody says that it's Max and says that he got carted off in an ambulance. And then somewhere along the way, it ended up him being dead. Then people are doing shots, you know, in tribute. People are sharing their, like, fondest memories yeah, of the Snapchat's guy. Snapchat's going I mean, on. everything, man. I mean, <laughs> they're having, like, an impromptu tribute at the Hub, apparently. And people are planning his benefit show. Tom DeGeorge from Crowbar. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you know how he is. He's an action guy. He's like, I can't yeah. believe you guys are still talking about this. Let's do something. You know? He's like, what's his next of kin? This and that. Like, he's just a doer. So yeah. he's planning a, a freaking benefit. And lo and behold, I mean... By the next morning, the guy was like confirmed alive, like you know. Like, so this was just totally just it was wild, wild yeah. speculation. Yeah, it was a hundred percent fabrication, and someone actually made like a Facebook post, and it got shared a bunch of times. Oh, so wow. word got everywhere. I knew within like forty-five minutes of yeah. that shit, and I was amazed. And the next day. Um, I asked a few people, and they're like, fuck no, dude, I talked to him like this morning. Yeah, <laughs> people are like, I saw him last night. So after wow. Drake, I caught up with Max. He's playing the saxophone after the Drake show. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, man, can we talk? And he's like, yes. So we went to the hub and talked, and he told me kind of his whole story, and his story's pretty crazy, and I got to write about it in there. And he was sitting on a couch that night watching movies. Wow. So, so he wasn't even involved in this. It wasn't like he tried to fake his death or, you know. No, like man. <laughs> he was just like, I'm a little bit outraged, not at the person that started it, but that people had to be sad. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, exactly. Someone yeah. 100% Eddie Murphy him. Yeah. Oh, dude, it is crazy, <laughs> That's man. That's wild. It's, it's that a funny a... story, but it was cool that the paper let me write about that. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So they give you a lot of freedom over there. So far, yeah. I mean, a few things I've been, you know, screwing up, busting a couple... Uh, uh, print deadlines and uh, then just getting used to stuff. I hadn't put anything on a page in I don't know how long. So yeah, Joel mostly did all that at Suburban Apologist. So. so so now you're taking on kind of a bigger role then. Yeah. It's a lot more responsibility. I mean, before this, I was doing like eight things to piece of living together. Mm-hmm. And I found that I liked that a lot. Sure, um, yeah. But, you know, turning it into one thing, um, it's been challenging just because, you know, you think you'd work, the, the work would be less yeah. But there's actually a greater volume of work, but it's just concentrated in one thing. So I'm getting used to it like eight weeks in. Um, so hopefully I get nice. in a better flow soon. That's very cool. So I was born and raised here in Tampa, and then I actually moved to Chicago for four years. And now I just moved back here. And I feel like in that time that I was gone, like Tampa got really, really cool. You know, like all of a sudden now there's like coffee shops and great restaurants. And then there's also this budding music scene that's happening. So we wanted you to give us a little bit of a like a state of the union on the Tampa music scene. Like what's going on? What's the dominant styles? Like what what is the scene like here right now? Obviously, in my position, you would think that I would be able to give a state of the union or state of the scene type of thing. And I think that you talk about that four year gap and and you left and you came back four years later and all of a sudden there's all this cool stuff. And I think that stuff was always kind of brewing. Yeah. You know, I don't think that it wasn't there before. I think it was always there. It's obviously getting a lot more attention now. I always talk about this short window of time where people have to capitalize on things. I think what it is is people our age yeah. are in more of a position, you know, maybe their income went up a little bit and they're able to make a little bit more music and share it a little bit more or garner the interest of people who will support them, you know, specifically in business. 
you know, somebody sure. with a cool idea. I mean, you go out there and look at the branding of the Blind Tiger. It's, you know, the pep rally guys, you know, it's, it's Jay, Josh, and, and Greg, you know, creating a look. Are they able to do that five years ago? I don't know, because they're five years younger. Uh, our colleagues aren't in positions where they wouldn't make that decision to hire them. I mean, I think right. they're doing something for the lightning. So I think everybody's getting older, moving into roles where they can make a few more decisions. So now the people making decisions are at the top of the chain, per se, at these publications and mm. you know places where they can kind of influence people. So as far as music goes, I mean, I don't think there isn't anything that we don't have here. Yesterday we talked a lot. I uh, talked with uh, my editor about how is there a deep jazz scene? Are there more than like five people being progressive about jazz and keeping it really interesting? And I'd like to find that out. Yeah, because you look I around and you look at the rock and roll people. I mean, you know, guitar-based music is everywhere, mm. and there are countless bands doing it super well around town. Yeah, uh, between here and St. Pete, it's endless. You know, I just wrote about Friedback yesterday, who's opening for. Uh, Chrome Sparks, yeah, yeah. So tonight, yeah. and um, he's putting out a record, and that record is really good. And yeah. there's just a lot of people like doing like super like progressive, like they're just the effort, man. I think the effort's always been there. Just yeah. now, we're able to share it a little more. I don't know what happened so you, in that four years. You think maybe it's like a generational thing? Then, like maybe it's just something about our generation that you know we're spending more time actually committed to projects that we're passionate about, as opposed to I think you know, it's like, timing. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think our generation was lucky because we've been pretty agnostic about the things that we like. Yeah. You know, we're not. Oh, I only like this kind of music. I only like this. You know, right. I think it's we're even we're even moving past that. I like everything but country phase. Like, yeah, <laughs> people listen to country music now. Like, you know, there's great country music, and I don't think anybody's past any of that. And now we have all this technology. I mean, I'm looking at you guys. You have a podcast here set up in no time in the back of a coffee shop. So, yeah, I, and I that's the kind of thing that you thing. can only really do now. You know, yeah, a lot of this gear didn't exist a couple years ago. No way. Yeah. And people still would have been doing stuff like this, putting their energy into something. Just now, you can share it more, and you know, yeah, the platforms there. I guess, it's, yeah, it's, it's and, easier and, to get out there. I mean, the musicians, I think, will always be there making the music, and we're just so lucky right now that they have a vehicle to share that so quickly. Like, yeah. a band could post a song on Bandcamp, and I could have it on the internet. The second it's up there, and, and the ability to share that is, is I think that's why it seems like that. So to answer your question, I don't know if I did, but um, <laughs> I think I, yeah, think I think it's did. a little bit of timing, and I think the effort's always been there. There's always been a ton of great bands. It's just a matter of now it's super easy to find them, or at least easier. Yeah, you still have to put the effort in. Well, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, so say you're in a band and you're trying to get your music out there. What's the first stop? I think the first thing is to make sure that you have a way to put your music online, for one. You know, it's clean. I always kind of talk about, I feel like a dad when I say this. Like yesterday, we're doing music listings. I get to run three photos in there. Sometimes it'll be a band I want to run a photo of, but there isn't a photo asset yeah, for me they don't anywhere. Yeah. I can't find one, um, but it should just be a link. You should have things like that ready to go. And I think first and foremost, I always battle with the idea of a critic. Like bands are always like, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I can tell you what I think about something, but does it really matter what I think about it? Maybe, but at the end of the day, it's your art, right? So I think being honest with the art you make is very important for the artist, but also just have your physical assets ready. Right, you know? having your press packet ready. or Right, your, if we're talking photos. about quote-unquote getting your name out there, just yeah. have like all your photos ready, like the mm -hmm. photo credits and... Just the sound assets, just ready to go. Like, let's say, you know, I want to send a clip to you. 
you probably yeah. want an MP3 in a certain kind of format, a certain length, maybe. Yeah. I don't know the jargon that you guys use, you know, like marks on the audio or, or mm-hmm. whatever. So I don't know. And that's partly on us, too, to articulate the things that we need uh, for bands to do. And how many submissions do you guys get a day? Because, I mean, we, we get a ton of submissions as a management company every day. So I can only imagine as a publication, too, you probably get 10, 100 Dude, times it, more. It, it is crazy. And I do the calendar there, too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So publications have a, a, a calendar editor, and, and we don't. We kind of split that up between the editors. Um, so there's a lot of that, too. Event submission, artist submission. I, I can't tell you how much. I kind of joke that I get like a thousand emails a day. Yeah, but you might. But I think I do. Like my yeah. email client went down the other day and I had mm-hmm. to switch and, and like redoing the filters and the sort is, oh. is, is crazy. But Yeah, that would be rough. Yeah, but you know, I appreciate people that send submissions and then follow up. I mean, mm-hmm. you can think you're bugging somebody and there's a certain kind of language you can use or whatever. You don't want to yeah. be abusive. Right. Um, but it goes two ways, you know. The artist has to keep following up and... Me, as person on the editorial end, has to be honest about whether or not I can cover that now or cover that later or yeah. probably won't cover it until they put out their next song, you know? Sure. So I, there's a I lot think, of honesty. That I think that's a big part of it um, is, you know, passing on things. I think a lot of editors, a lot of music writers, and just a lot of people in general, are they're afraid to pass. You know, they, they get something that they'll never run or they have no interest in. And instead of being honest and saying, hey, this isn't our thing, they just sort of leave it open. So it's good to know that you're, you know, trying, that, I'm sure, to get back to as many people as you can about yeah, and it goes two ways because it's like, do you open up the line of communication? Because I try to be open on every end. I mean, it's like messenger, text, everything is out there. You can contact me any way you want. Sure. But I don't have the time to go back and forth on email. Like, right. you know, and I, I don't mean it to sound like I don't have the time. Like, I'm very grateful that people reach out. But so it just goes both ways, like you said. I mean, yeah. just because you pass on something doesn't mean. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's not good or, right. or, or whatever. Like, a lot of people go see a local band, they're like, oh, they're not good. And like, so what? Like, you know, they could be great in a month. They could be. You know, people yeah. have these final expectations, like, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of bands I feel like are a couple of good songs away from having something. You know, I feel like a lot of local bands are sort of experimenting with a sound or a style. They're still finding their musical voice, you know. I think that's what people need to remember. Yeah, I interviewed uh, this kid, Matt Welch, who used to run Transitions, and he mentioned mm-hmm. something about that space. And he's like, you need spaces like that because... They're the kind of places where bands experiment, find their identity, figure out who they are, are allowed to explore outside of who they think they are. Yeah. So just because you don't like yeah. the way something sounds, it doesn't mean, one, it's not quality, or two, that it's not going to be something you love down the road. Sure. So. Plus a band gets instant feedback you know, from the audience, which they may never have. They may be if only played in, in a garage or in their practice right. space. So to actually have an audience hear it for the first time, that can totally change the direction you go from there. We were in a lot of terrible bands at times, you know, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I started a band today, I would be absolutely terrible, so right. yeah. Yeah. So is there a style now that's more prevalent in the scene? Like, I know when I was in Chicago, obviously with Chance the Rapper and the drill music movement, and the all eyes were on hip-hop there. There's a lot of great bands there, right. too, but, you know, rap and hip-hop is dominated that scene. Is, right. is there a specific genre here? I think it's a personal thing. I mean, it's about what you think you care about the most, what you go out to see. Like like you said, there's rock bands and things like that, and I think it all depends on the person. Like for me, you know, I listen to a lot of rock music. I end up listening to a lot of like kind of scuzzy guitar, like lo-fi stuff. I love hip-hop. Mm. I still struggle with guys like Yachty and... Um, 
new internet scandals, rap. I think was over there. Uh-huh. And, but I love like a good time. So it's like when I see people enjoying something, I go, there might be something that I don't understand there yeah. that I need to understand. People want to write off different styles of music. Um, but at the end of the day, man, somebody's having a good time to that music and somebody's life is being affected by the art that somebody's making. And just because you don't get it, yeah, uh, doesn't mean it's not worth it. And it's it certainly it doesn't mean you should ignore it. And in fact, it means you should pay attention to it. Now, what is you know big here? I mean, I don't know. Like when I write about hip hop, I will tell you I get the most web hits. Really? So if we're looking at it from that point of view, I mean, the kids that are doing hip hop. They share stuff online. They're excited. They hang out with each other. So, so there's that. So, but I want to test the other markets too. I just wrote about this country singer, uh, Will Erickson, and and. But then, am I adding? You know, am I judging something by the number of web hits that it gets? Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, true. it goes back and forth. So, you know, because a lot of the hip hop rap guys are much more plugged in on social media. You know, a right. lot of these bands like they don't even really have much of a web presence. Because yeah, it, there's a huge like songwriter scene, man. Like this guy Steve Connolly is going to be playing Hideaway mm-hmm. next week, and uh, you probably know he's like a producer here locally. I think yeah. a tree fell through his house a couple years ago, oh, and no. he got sick. But dude, I mean, he's got tons of people. I know this guy from MNF, Bob, who's put on a living room show today. You know, Skippers is like this hidden gem on the on the north end of Tampa, where all this crazy stuff happens almost yeah. daily. I think the yeah. crows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anybody ever went to USF, they went to Wednesday Reggae Nights and then Uncle John's band. You know, it's like a yeah. coming of age thing. Like, sure. I've definitely been barefoot in that place. So, yeah. Um, there's always just different scenes, and and I don't know. That's what's crazy about Tampa. There really is like something for everybody. All you have to do is get off the couch. And, and go for, participate in it. Go walk yeah. into a club or a bar yeah. or, or whatever it is that you're into. And I guarantee you there's something and somebody and a group of people, a community there for you. So. Yeah. To that point, I remember reading an article recently. I wish I had the source on it. Somebody tweet me the source whenever you hear this. But there was an article that somebody had written about how Tampa, um, because of its demographic makeup, um, is like the ideal city. Like it's the ideal American city. It has like the perfect mix of different demographics. So for starting something new, like new restaurant concepts or new, mm-hmm. you know, ideas, this is a great place to do it because you get sort of feedback from all different walks of life. It's crazy. You know, that's why we love it. It's why we hate it. You yeah. know, you're walking yeah. around like, I can't believe this guy lives in the city I live in. Yeah, but it's, it's true. It's, but everybody, so it, it's very diverse, you know, and, and that's interesting because here, you know, everybody's all mixed in together. Everything's, you know, you can go right across the street and see, you know, a jazz club and then go next door and see see you know rock bands and then who are right across from you know reggae bands or whatever it's like all happening in one area yeah so, no that, I, i'm with you man i love it down here and saint pete seems like i, I don't go out to saint pete too often i feel like i need to spend more time in there because i feel like saint pete is where all the house parties and like the diy shows are really going on sure. is that the case uh of all the house shows that i've written about since i've been at cl a lot of them have been at uh in St. Pete, this guy Christopher Nadal from mm. Permanent Makeup, and he does a lot of bit of a lot of that. And there's a lot of that here. You talk to a guy like Tim Anderson here; um, they do a lot of like DIY house stuff. There's a lot of stuff always going on at the bunker. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I'm not cool enough to get invited to that <laughs> shit, so so I have to figure it out on the internet. You, got, um, you, got, you hear about it later, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'll see a picture, and actually, Brian Mahar is really great for that. Mm. Um, 
Brian Mahar is a photographer locally, and and he seems to be at everything. And yeah, he, I yeah. I was gonna say that yeah. I feel like he really is at everything. I don't he know is. how he I mean, can do that. I would like to look at his record collection. Like he's just into like a really weird stuff. You know, he yeah. went to a house party for this band Broom Closet in St. Mm-hmm. Pete. You know, um, I think I heard Broom Closet. Recently. Yeah, like, they're good, man. Yeah, yeah, Avery Moore. She was in a band with her sister called like Hunter and Avery. I remember seeing them at Heatwave, and mm-hmm. I think Hunter lives out west now or something like that. But Avery's still making music, and that band's really awesome. And Mahar was there, and Mahar's everywhere. I mean, yeah, I think he shot Junior Boys on thir- on uh, was it Thursday? Thursday, yeah, yeah. There's obviously a lot of talented musicians here, a lot of great bands coming out, but. Uh, do you feel like the scene might be too insular in a way? Like, I don't see a lot of bands exploring outside of the Tampa market. You know, I feel like a lot of bands sort of stay here, play a lot of shows here, but they're not they're not touring, they're not getting out there. What do you think about I, that? I, yeah, and I think that goes back to why are you in a band? Like, people just want to make music and explore art and be artists, and that's awesome, and some bands want to get better and sometimes I'm a big believer in the bands and van thing like I love the idea that Mm -hmm. bands will go on tours Jordan Esker just got out of town and is coming back I think next week Um, I love to see bands play out of town Yeah, Um, I think part of it is because I wish I could do that you know and I just love these kids that are in these bands and I want to kind of live through them and know they had these experiences and I mean I would imagine it's something like you go to another town you play to one person Maybe the next time you play to five people, and then the next time you play to 15, and then who knows? But at the end of the day, you're in a car mm-hmm. with somebody you make music with, and you're listening to music, and you're living your life. I mean, yeah. as cheesy as it is, man, like this is it. So, yeah. you know, and they're doing it, and I think you grow that way, and I think you learn about whether or not you want to be doing this thing, this band thing. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how long are you going to do this podcast? Like, it's all about, you figure out what your passions are. Yeah, exactly. And you go do them to the most extreme. So is it insular? Sometimes, but I mean, it's all about what you're into. So some people just like to make music here. You know, talk talk about touring, talk to Sean Kyle. True. That True. guy's always all over the place. I know uh, records and the stuff. veiny hands, uh, they're out Dude, from hands they're, are awesome, they're on tour yeah. now. Um, they just played like Shea Stadium, I think, in Brooklyn. I love the, that the, name for a venue too. It's just, a great venue. It's, it's, it's is it? <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. It's and that that's the kind of thing I'd love to see more of here. You know, obviously Brooklyn is a totally different type of market, but Shea's like a total you know DIY space. You literally just walk up these warehouse steps and it's up there. There's no air conditioning. It's like a thousand degrees. I think in there we have that kind of stuff here. The you know, problem is you can't fucking get to it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you're in bigger cities like that, take a train, go walk with your friends. Yeah. Dude, if you want to walk to the Venture Compound in St. Pete, good luck. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's kind of dangerous. Yeah. Um, not that it's dangerous around there, but it's like everything's so spread out. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to walk from my house to Ivor, there's a few sketch parts. And sure. I can ride my bike here in less than 10 minutes, you know? So I think that's part of it, man. I mean... Yeah. But don't don't you see that as the same problem that Los Angeles has? Because it's so metropolitan, it's so spread out. Yeah. Um, but they got way more people. Yeah, that's, they, you know? that's what it is. They have more people, but a three-hour travel across the Yeah, city. if you're driving in L.A., forget about it. Like, you're just totally fucked. Yeah. Right. I, I, was, um, I lived in Canoga Park for eight years, and I went back a couple years ago, and I was like, I don't know how anybody does it here. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you have a point. It's like L.A. has its own scene, but then again... Like and this is contrast to Chicago. Like LA has this recording industry. Um, I interviewed this kid, Caden from Twin Peaks. Yeah, he yeah. mentioned that in Chicago, mm-hmm. they don't have like those big record labels, mm-hmm. so the musicians can kind of exist in this different kind of environment where 
they don't have that thing where there's like you know A and R at every show potentially. Like you know what I mean? Sure, there's sure. No Viper Room or, or yeah. whatever. Like you know yeah. so. Maybe that's it too. Like LA has that entertainment industry, so maybe that's why it works too. People flock yeah. there. Maybe it's a little bit like Nashville. And I think that's a big part of it too, is that people do flock there. Like everybody yeah. goes to LA from everywhere else in the world to make it in the industry. Right. You know, whereas Chicago is a city that, even as big of a city as it is, it's still the people that are from there that are you know bringing up the scene. You yeah. know, and I think that's the case here too. You don't have a lot of people that are moving to Tampa to make it in a particular music genre. It's probably up to us and up to the musicians and everybody in the scene oh exactly that's what it goes back to to you can still make a living making music living in tampa it's just dude you can do anything you want all you have to do is put yourself out there and you know charge what you're worth for things like look up that guy bob nana i think he's a chicago guy Mm -hmm. um from braid and he has that website downright there's you know local musicians here who write for downright, which is like they get commissioned to write songs. Sure. Um, so you can do it here. It's just, you know, I don't know. I think some people are kind of scared to put themselves out there and it's like, yeah. just do it, man. Like people are always asking me, like, what's the best way to get more exposure? What's the best way to get, you know, more people excited about my music? And I always tell them to start with their friends and their family. You know, if you can't get your friends and your close network excited about what you're doing, then how are you going to get anybody else in the world to care, you know? For sure. And I think that's the same way with the scene. Like, that's where we start here is, you know, we got to get everybody in town excited and coming out to shows and supporting what's going on in the scene. And then that will get And part of that, too, is, is like, Let's say your friends and family aren't ever going to be into what you're into, right? That's also into. then you create a community that is into what you're into. Make yeah. new friends, make new family, find those people, and do it together. Like at a certain point, you know your cousin might not get what you're doing, but if if they know what you're doing, great. And then you find the people that do, and then you kind of build it up around you. Like yeah. don't settle for no, right? Like yeah. just be like, okay, I'm going to make it, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go down in a ball of fire. Like making it happen, so I think yeah. that's another thing that people have to remember. Yeah, there are always people with similar interests. Find them. You have to find them. Yeah, yeah. and that's what's great about you know social media and, and the internet now is that you can find those people. It's much easier to to go out and find people that are like minded than it was. Oh, yeah. you know, years ago. I filter so. out the flaky ones fast, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. that's definitely the other thing too. Yeah. So what's next then for creative loafing? I mean, me being there for eight weeks, I don't know if I should talk about what's next for the publication as a whole. Yeah. But I think for me. Just to spend a lot of time treating Tampa Bay musicians the way they ought to be treated. Like I used to write for Consequence of Sound and like a new song would come out. I mean, I remember I wrote about like a Britney Spears Roscoe remix or something. Like yeah. I want to treat all the new music coming out from this area across all genres the same way it would be treated at a large national publication and say every single artist that's making music here is important. Mm. So I'm going to try my best to reach out and make sure that I give context to whatever piece of media any artist is putting out and make sure that there's a place where their history is cataloged so that as they start to grow and gain exposure, like there are web pages that say, here's who this guy is, where they're from, how old they are, blah, 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 this and mm-hmm. that. These are things that they said. Like, yeah, I want Creative Loafing to be cited on every Wikipedia page ever for the rest <laughs> of like every, like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, totally. so. I, I just want to tell that story, and and when I left SubApp, it was kind of sad because it's like there are six years of web content, and I didn't know what was going to happen to it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, were you the founder of SubApp? Or Joel you... Cook founded okay. it. Um, I remember he called me. He's like, "I'm having a kid. Can you work on this website?" Yes. Yeah. You know, and I was doing Consequence of Sound at the time, and I remember SubApp taking over where I had to leave Consequence of Sound, mm-hmm. and um, 
And this is all for free, by the way. So yeah. don't think that it's like some crazy thing. Like, ooh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then it just started like that. And then, you know, Joe Diacunto was my first editor ever, actually, at React. So he kind of helped me yeah. along the way. We spent a lot of time together in the mornings um, on the way to work and stuff um, and talked a lot. I learned a lot about booking, you know, the way that system works. So mm-hmm. I just got really lucky and was around people that were super into it and yeah. super transparent. I mean, people think me and my friends hate each other. We don't. <laughs> like, we just talk a lot of shit about each other. Yeah. And, and we're just honest with each other. Like, you know what I mean? So Yeah, for sure. But we're, we're tight, so. That's awesome. That's really cool. And I, I do appreciate, you know, when you were talking about treating Tampa musicians the way they should be treated. And I, I appreciate that you um, actually put some story behind the right. stuff that you're posting. I feel like a lot of blogs nowadays, they... Here's the link. Throw the embed yeah, up. Yeah, some of them don't even embed it anymore. That's yeah. everything you write should add something, no matter how little it is, to yeah. the story that's already been told. I hate the idea of a reblog because essentially the internet is just reblogging, but you have to add context, I think. And I think that's your job. And if I can do that right now in the beginning stages and then find out what that big picture is really, then I'll be really happy. That's what what music writing should be, I feel like. And I just so. want to like get into more music and I'm living, I mean, people are like, what? I'm like, dude, this is it for me. Like, this is everything I've ever wanted to do. So I'm feeling pretty good. Well, you're living the dream, man. So, dude, I am. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and so are we, I guess. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so. I mean, you guys, well, I guess they're not on the air yet. No, but, no. Mean, well, at this point, be, we'll be a few yeah, episodes deep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. By the time you hear this, we'll have, uh, yeah. you know, we'll have some stuff out. So hopefully people are digging in and enjoying it. And, um, you know, we, we're going to definitely take a lot of feedback for these first few episodes. I think the show is going to have to find its footing, you know, over time. We're still kind of experimenting with the format. We gave Jason a mic this time. That's new. Ray, uh, any last thoughts for the Tampa scene? Any, any final words? Um, thanks. And please hold me accountable for everything. Keep checking me, punch me in the nuts on things. Breaking my balls over things. Um, I, I don't take well to kindness. I think compliments are good, but I think it's important for everybody around creatively to say, "Hey, man, could you do this better?" or this and that. You know, yeah. I've got a pretty thick skin, um, so I think just to make yourself heard, I think is very important, and to to be called out on things, I like to be pushed. So definitely, uh, please do that if anybody's listening. Well, well you heard it here first. Uh, be an <laughs> asshole to Ray Roa. Kick him in the balls if you have to. Um, he's given you explicit permission. Somebody tapped me in the balls last night at Ulele. <laughs> we were talking to this guy. He was wasted. And he's like, you know what I'm talking about, bro. And I was like, whoa. No, whoa. Now, now I have no idea yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then he went riding off on his bike, almost went down, almost took like this business guy down with him. He's trying to high five him. I was like, my friend. <laughs> so it was crazy. But yeah, well, do that. Well, on that note, Ray Roa, music editor, creative loafing. This is Gar City Radio Show. Thanks for being on here, Ray. And sure, man. For, no, thanks for having uh, me, man. We'd actually, I'd love to have you on uh, more regularly. Dude, you know, I, we could talk about what's that, going on I, in the scene, have pretty regular updates from the man himself. Dude, I think it would be awesome. Cool. So I'm totally into it. Well, that. you'll you'll hear his voice again, so get used to it. Get rid of me. <laughs> All right.